My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Welcome to those of you online as well. So we're in Philippians chapter 1 today. Uh, Lord willing, we'll go through two verses today. And uh, so we've got verses 25 and 26. So let's read through Philippians chapter 1. And, uh, we'll get rolling. Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. 
For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you were engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Philippians chapter 1. So today we're looking at verses 25 and 26. So I am persuaded of this. I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. So let me just start by asking a really simple question. Did this happen? Good answer. Did it happen? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> like, look at it. Look at the words. Did it actually happen? From what we know about Paul's life, did this happen? I think sometimes we forget to, we forget to just stop and go like, wait, what? <laughs> I know that I will remain and continue with all of you. Did that happen? Not in the way he thought, right? Yeah. And, and the way Paul presents the argument here, I don't know if the argument's the right way. Um, perhaps it's a false dichotomy. Like, I don't want to step on the apostle's toes here. But um, in, in his mind, there was an innocent, and I get to go free, and I get to go serve and be in these churches again, and there's a guilty, and there's a death. Does Paul leave this prison? How does Paul leave this prison? You won't find it in the text right in front of you. This is more like church history stuff. Not in his earthly body. Not in his earthly body. That's exactly right. Does his earthly body leave this prison? Eventually, when they drag it out, right? Yeah. But he does not go free again. So let's read this again real quick. I think this is going to be helpful for us to, like, whoa, now. So we're, where are we at then with the inspiration of Scripture, with the uh, infallibility of Scripture? Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Now, what was Epaphroditus doing this whole time while Paul's in prison? He's running back and forth, right? He's like the most in-shape dude ever. And I don't know how he got sick, but he got sick, right? He almost dies. Everybody gets worried about him. And he's okay later on. But Epaphroditus is running letters back and forth. This is only one of what we think would be several letters back and forth from the Philippians to Paul, from Paul to the Philippians. And there is a sense in which Paul's writings, and I'm going to stretch really far. So if it feels like I'm stretching, I'm stretching really far here. There's a sense in which Paul's writings remain and continue for their progress in the faith. And there's a very real sense in which, in Paul's mind, it looks like, from the writing, he wanted to physically be there. Everybody with me on this one? You with me? Yes? Yes. 
Thank you. That's where we were going next. Very good. Yes. Uh, well done. Good mathematicians extrapolate as well as interpolate. So nicely done. Um, so interpolation will be look, connecting all the dots inside the bounds of the text. Extrapolation is like, what do we do? It's outside. What do we project and go forward from there? It's okay. That's why I define the terms. It's all right. Not a problem. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to take a beat and walk through, like, did it actually happen? And how can we look at this through the lens of God's word is true, it is faithful, it is trustworthy, and in fact, Paul didn't exactly get exactly what he thought he was going to get. Okay, cool. So I think that's the last slide I'll show today. And my, my pulpit is moving on me, so uh-oh, here we go. All right, so I'm on page 86 in your green books. Let's pick up with verse uh, 25. Verse 25 starts, uh, since, which could also be translated and or even or so then. Kai is a, Kai is a, a goofy Greek word. It can, it, it's basically uh, gumby. Uh, it can be a lot of different things. Uh, so since I am persuaded. Now this is, this is a, it's a weird conjugation here, uh, morphing. This is the perfect active participle. Now, you guys remember what present active participle is, right? Present active participle is this repeated habit. It's ongoing. It's, 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 it's like right now. This is the habit that I have in my life right now. A perfect active participle is there's something that has occurred in the past that has caused a continuing action in the present. So what would have happened in the past in Paul's life that could have perhaps caused a present persuasion in his then present time. His yeah, like <laughs> blinded on the road, right? So he got the big wow, ta-da, kind of conversion story that like, we are literally still talking about nearly 2,000 years later, right? Um, I don't know what your conversion story is. Mine was not the big blinding wow conversion story. And at the same time, I was moved from death to life. And for me, that's an awesome miracle. So pretty cool. But there was something that happened in Paul's past that allowed him to be fully persuaded, to be fully convinced in his present. And I, I want to lean into this quite a bit today because this word persuaded shows up several times in Philippians. So the first time it shows up is in 1.6. It says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the, I am sure of this, I am persuaded, I am convinced of this. Next time it shows up is in 1.14. Most of the brothers have gained confidence. They have, they have been emboldened. Next time it shows up is here in 1.25. The next time is 2.24. 2.24, it says, I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. So he's kind of leaning into this, I really want to see you again concept. Next time it shows up is 3-3, three, three, for, 
We are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh, though I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. And then he goes into his, his uh, religious resume, if you will. And the idea here is that all of Paul's confidence revolves around God and the gospel. Every bit of it. And he, he even draws a distinction about he, what he's not confident in in chapter 3, like I'm not confident in myself and in the works of the flesh. So this is our first application at the bottom of page 86. Actually, it should be your second application at the bottom of page 86. I think you already have one from last week, maybe. Did we talk about the application at the bottom of page 86 last week? Nope? Okay, cool. Application number one last week was uh, Christians are necessary for Christians. That was a good one. I can't believe I skipped that. Because last week we talked about uh, Paul's coming again is more necessary for your sake. So what do we do with that? If Christians are necessary for Christians, well, personalization 1A would be thank God, and 1B would be live like it. Thank God for other believers. And then live like we are actually necessary for other believers. No opportunity to do that at all today, is there? So this persuasion, since I am persuaded of this, and his persuasion, his confidence, all came from the gospel. Application number two down there is uh, Christians, Christian confidence is in God and the gospel. Christian confidence is in God and the gospel. So what do we do with that? Well, we put our confidence in God and the gospel. We put all our confidence in God and the gospel. We put so much of our confidence in God and the gospel that there is none left for anybody or anything else. Um, I hope most of you have already heard this news, but Mr. Charles Alexander passed yesterday. Um, and I love Charles. Charles is actually, I think, directly, we could probably say, responsible for some of our best friends in the world being our best friends in the world because he thought my wife and I were married when we were not, and he walked us into the young married Sunday school class back at the Chattanooga campus. And we were there for like three weeks before anybody figured it out. Um, you know, like telling stories about the wedding or something. We're like, uh, we don't have one yet, so okay. Um, but he just told us to follow him. So we followed him and away we went. And I, I have looked up to Mr. Charles for several decades now, but my confidence is not in Mr. Charles. My confidence is in Mr. Charles' God. My confidence is in the gospel in which Mr. Charles put his faith. Um, I have confidence that God is faithful to do what God promised to do. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want us to see before we get into this persuasion concept here that that is the cutest baby. Can we just all acknowledge that for just a second? Sorry. Like, holy mackerel. I keep glancing over and I'm like, and I am, so Julie can testify. I'm not the, oh, a baby. Nope, that's not me at all. I have, like, I'm not going to get into that. I'm getting in trouble. But that is a very cute baby. So, all right. I've acknowledged it. Now we're good to go. All right. So since I am persuaded of this, so we've got a demonstrative pronoun, something he's about to be 
He's very, very clear about this. And on page 87, I know. So we've, we've talked about this for just a second already, but where is Paul physically when he's writing this? He's in prison. And what, what is this verb? This is a perfect active indicative, another perfect verb. This is another something that's happened in the past with the results continuing. So I'm just going to give us a, I, I'm going to speak from my lack of experience. So just, I'll start with that, speaking from my lack of experience. Um, but waiting until we are in the middle of persecution to develop confidence and knowledge about God and the gospel is the wrong time to do it. Like, now is our opportunity to lean into the idea of who is God, who is the gospel, can all of our confidence be found there before we get into a spot where we actually need that confidence. Does that make sense? Um, this is not a new knowledge that Paul has gained in prison. This is an old knowledge. Um, and, and this was something that, that allowed him, his confidence in God and the gospel allowed him to be content and to be joyous in the middle of these wild and weird circumstances. And he's getting beat up all the place. He's getting dragged around all over the place. He's getting thrown in prison all over the place. They thought he was dead. Well, he might have been actually dead once. And he still got joy and confidence in the God and the gospel. It's amazing. So application down there at the bottom of page 87. Um, confidence in God and the gospel assists in persecution. Confidence in God and the gospel assists in persecution. So what do we do with that? Well, I'd say, and this can probably be worded better, so if you've got a better wording, help me out here. Uh, establish beliefs before persecution. Establish beliefs before persecution. It's funny, I was thinking about this week, one of the things that I'm looking forward to. Um, I, so I teach a class outside of this class. And uh, while the kids are at lunch, I go through and I read everything they have written down up to that point in the class. Because I want to know how they have reworded or how they have improved upon what I've been teaching about. And it's actually helped me communicate with kids a, a lot better. Um, and one of the things I'm looking forward to doing one day is flipping through your green books and seeing how you improve. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it won't be a grade. Um, just in my mind, I'll be judging you. It's okay. Um, no, I'm joking. But the, uh, to see how you've improved and leaned in and added and made it your own, uh, which I think is pretty cool stuff. So. All right, so what does he know? I know that I'll remain and continue. So this word remain literally means to remain. This word continue also means to remain. Uh, I, I will argue that there's a ton of semantic overlap between these two words, a ton. The second word can be far more... Uh, used figuratively about the way you remain, if this makes sense. Um, so, so when was the last time you waited in a line? Last time you waited in a line? Yesterday? Where? At the Dollar Tree. Awesome. Did you wait patiently or did you wait? 
Cool. There's a difference though, isn't there? Like you can wait and like, I'm just, but like this word remain is I want to be physically with you. And this word continue is persevering in the midst of that remaining. It's a, it's a clarification of the original uh, word. This word uh, continue actually shows up in James 1.25, uh, which I do not have in a PowerPoint today. And now you're going to get to watch me struggle to find James. There we go. I don't use a physical Bible when I study the Bible, so I have lost track of where most of the New Testament books are. So I have to think about, oh, that's right, they're ordered. I got the Gospels, I got Acts, and then you got all of Paul's writings from longest to shortest. Then you got everybody else's writings from longest to shortest. So my brain has to, pro this is how I find things. My brain, is this Paul or not Paul? This is not Paul. All right, this is long. So it's at the beginning of the not Paul section of the New Testament. So now I've found James. There you go. Uh, James 1.25, but the one, so start back, uh, verse 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, because if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, but goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So this same word, persevere, shows up here in James 1.25, which is a verse we're actually quite familiar with. So I know that I will remain and continue uh, with all of you to the top of page 88. So again, uh, I haven't mentioned it in a couple of weeks, but these plural yous are just all over the place. So this plural you here, um, and the CSB and most, most, almost all English translations uh, translate the little Greek preposition ice uh, as for, but the word ice actually means to or into. So you, you could translate it, um, I'm persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you into your progress and joy in the faith. Right? There's a there's a, a, a connection here that he is drawing. And then last week we talked about this, this uh, idea that when you have one Greek article followed by two Greek nouns, remember what happens there? You got two Greek nouns and one Greek article. What's the writer communicating about these two things? They're very connected and intertwined, yes. So this is what's happening here with the Greek. There's one definite article, ho, and then progress and joy are connected, which I love. I love, love, love the idea that progress in the faith and joy in the faith are connected concepts. So application of the bottom of page 88 here, uh, progress in the faith is connected to joy in the faith. Progress in the faith is connected to joy in the faith. This word progress uh, does not show up a lot in, in the New Testament. It shows up twice in Philippians. Uh, Philippians 1.12 
Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced or progressed the gospel. So it's this advancement type language. And then in 1 Timothy 4, verse 15... He talks about uh, is t telling Timothy, you know, how do you uh, start with verse 13. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. And what would, what would the uh, theological term for the concept Paul is teaching here? your progress in the gospel. I heard it. Yes, sanctification. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. As we grow more like Jesus Christ, that's progress into the gospel. And what's connected to progress in the gospel is joy in the gospel. It's actually okay to be happy about the gospel. Newsflash, right? It's all right. Um, so what do we do with that concept that progress in the faith is connected to joy in the faith? Well, I would, I would actually encourage us to uh, personalization 1A here. Uh, examine our faith for progress. Right? And how, how would we examine our faith for progress? Is there any evidence that's supposed to be existing in our lives for us being in the faith? And Jen, you actually made reference to this just a minute ago, right? The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence in the Christian life that the Christian is a Christian. If you look back at, if, if we, sorry, if we look back at our lives and we see no evidence of fruit, we should have no confidence in our faith. Does this make sense? Like, okay. So examine our faith for progress. And personalization 1B, examine our faith for joy. Examine our faith for joy. Is there evidence of joy? Wait, isn't joy one of the fruits of the Spirit? Amazing how these connected concepts are actually connected. I went to a, uh, a business training in North Carolina several years ago. And uh, <clears throat> it's it talking about habits and how to refine and uh, have very, very regular feedback on your personal behavior every single day, right? So the, uh, the teachers were telling us, uh, you need to have a list of what you want to be evident in your life, and at the end of every single day, assess how you did on that day on that thing. Like, write it out in a journal. And... So they were walking people through, like, how to pick aspirational goals for your life. And I was like, I got this one. <laughs> I'm actually told what should be evident in my life. So I just listed the fruits of the Spirit. There you go. So this is it. So get to the end of the day. Did I have any evidence of this? Ooh. Did I have? Oh, yeah. Okay. Got, yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe if I round a little, that's sort of, right? Um, and it was a really, I did this habit probably, I don't know, 12, 18 months of, of looking every single day at the end of the day, all right, what's the evidence of this? What's the evidence of this? What's the, and I, it got me in the mindset of exam, a ton of examination, gobs of filtering, a great deal of deleting, 
Um, and also looking and trying to encourage when I saw it in somebody else. Like, hey, I just saw joy in your life here. That's pretty awesome. That's great. You know, how we can actually encourage other people in this, which I think is a good thing. So if anybody ever asked you what your life goals are, you do not need to make something up, right? You don't need a word of the year. You don't, like, it's all written down for us, guys. I promise you don't have to make anything up. This is the, the biggest trouble I have gotten into in my, all of my teaching is when I have decided, like, I think there's something I can add to. Nope. I am now off the rails. This is not good. All right. So, verse 25, since I'm persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So there is a faith at the top of page 89. It is a singular faith. It is not a plural faith. You, Euodia didn't have a faith, and Syntyche didn't have a faith, and Clement didn't have a faith, and Epaphroditus wasn't showing up with a different faith, right? Is one faith for all of them. And Paul shared that faith, right? This was not a, like, well, we get to meet you, make up part. No, no, we do not get to make it up. There's a clearly defined faith, and this is a faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Then we come to verse 26. So that, this is the, in order that, uh, and, and this, is a, this is an interesting translation that CSB uses here because of, because it's the Greek preposition dia, through, uh, through my coming, you could translate this. Like, there was going to be something that was going to happen in their lives because Paul was going to show up. Through my coming. Oh, sorry, I skipped an application here. Application at the bottom of page 89. The church has one faith. The church has one faith. So what do we do with that? I'm really leaning into this 1A and 1B thing. So uh, 1A, rejoice at the simplicity. Can you imagine how complex Christianity would be if we had to go figure out something brand new every single day? It's like, nope, still about God and the gospel. That's awesome. So rejoice at the simplicity. And then B, 1B, examine our faith for unity. Like, is my faith the same as your faith? Is your faith the same as my faith? Let's make sure we've got faith in the same thing. That was wrong. Let's make sure we've got faith in the same person. That's wrong. Let's make sure we have the faith in the same persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. There we go. You just watched me do my best impression of John Pike right there. So, Y'all ever had a conversation with John Pike? He'll correct himself in mid-sentence until he gets the theology right. And it's awesome to watch. Like, oh, it was version two, three. I saw him get to like version five once. He's like, oh, all right. It's fantastic. your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you, this word coming at the bottom of page 89 is parousia. Anybody familiar with that word? What that word means? Let me give you a sound effect. <laughs> Sorry, it's the, the coming again. The return, there you go, now you got it. Sorry, it's a terrible joke, it's a terrible joke. 
But because of my coming, there's something that's going to be positive. It's going to happen in the lives of the Philippians. So don't turn to page 90 yet. I just can't help but make the joke. It's just a funny, I think it's a funny joke. Uh, all right, so bottom of page 89, second application. Christians can serve Christians by showing up. Christians can serve Christians by showing up. The Philippians benefited when Paul was around. Paul benefited when Epaphroditus was around. Paul benefited when Timothy was around. The Philippians benefited when Epaphroditus was around. Okay. Christians can serve Christians by showing up, so what do we do with that? Just show up. Right. Show up. Be with other believers. It's hard to encourage from a distance. Yeah. So that because of my coming, and then we get to page 90, to you again, Wait, so Paul's been to Philippi before? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so because of my coming to you again, your, and the, the you there is plural, the your there is plural, your boasting, your boasting. It is not a really common word in the New Testament. It shows up 11 times, twice here in Philippians. So you're boasting. So have you ever seen anybody boast? You see anybody boast today? You've been on social media? You probably saw somebody boast. Right? There you go. So, so what, is, what is boasting? Uh, the definition at the top of page 91 is a boast. <laughs> it's like, well, thanks for that, Dr. Strong. That was, that was so helpful. Um, you can either boast in an object or an act in a good or bad sense. Because the word boast in our culture has an almost universal negative concept, right? Like it's just, it's just negative. It, it, like what do most people boast in on Saturdays, in the fall, in Tennessee, this year? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right? He's like, okay, we narrowed it down a little there, right? Now, is, is there a difference, because I think there is, I'm asking a rhetorical question, is there a difference between rejoicing in something that's good and boasting in something? Like, yeah, like boasting seems to have a sense of like, look at me, like I had some component of this. Now, so... Anchor down. Vanderbilt won a SEC football game yesterday, and we got every call in that whole game, and we got every lucky, like it was, like, it was a miracle. Okay, let me just say it that way. So, Julie, when we won, what happened in our living room? I jumped up and was yelling and was running around, right? Okay. What was I wearing? Socks. Yeah, that's right. I was wearing socks, and we have hardwood floors. And she's 
telling me rather sternly, uh, stop running in the house in socks, right? <laughs> because what she didn't say, but what I heard was because you're an old person and you're going to hurt yourself, right? That's what I heard. I felt attacked. I just wanted to say that. So there's that. No, I didn't feel attacked. Um, but there was a lot of rejoicing. But what I didn't say was, I did it. I did it. Like me cheering and root. No, like that's boasting, right? It's a little bit of boasting there. So what, what's he talking about here? So because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Because we think about boasting in ourselves, which is why the boasting concept has such a negative connotation. But we can actually boast in what Christ Jesus did. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what he did. It was none of me. It was all him. Like, wow, holy, like this is amazing. You can boast in somebody else's work. And the crazy thing is there's only one person that's somebody else that is ever going to matter. And that's Christ Jesus. Paul uses this word again in Philippians. In Philippians 2.16, he says, uh, Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. There will be boasting at the end of all things in Christ because of the substantive nature of what Christ was worthy of our lives sacrificing for. It was a very complex sentence, but you might have gotten it. That makes sense? Yep, okay. I got a head nod from Thesis, so she's, my, she's, she's tracking with me. All right, so that your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. And this is where I want to we'll, we'll land here on this may abound. This is a present active subjunctive. So it's right now happening by the, uh, the subject. But subjunctive is this hopeful future. It's the, there's a possibility of this happening in the future. And I will tell you that Paul has a great deal of hope in the gospel and in the person of Jesus Christ that that working in the Philippians will result in their benefit and in their ability to boast in Christ Jesus, which will work to their benefit and their confidence and their ability to boast in Christ. Like this is a wonderful ratchet that is happening here. It's gorgeous. This is hope looking forward. Now I would say that we have hope backward in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We have hope inward through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we have hope forward in the Father's future command to Christ to come and get us. So I've, we have hope in all three members of the Trinity. But we'll end with this on the application and personalizations. Application at the bottom of page 91. Boasting for the Christian is only and always connected to the person and work of Jesus. Boasting for the Christian is only and always connected to the person and work of Jesus. We just don't have permission to boast in ourselves. Boasting for the Christian is only and always connected to the person and work of Jesus. So what do we do with that? How about we examine our boasting? I feel like I'm getting us ready to take communion this morning with all this examination, but... Um,
Wait, are we? No, it's the 13th. We're not. So examine our boasting. If we see boasting in ourselves or boasting in others, we have an opportunity to repent and believe in the gospel. If we see boasting in Jesus, I would say rejoice and boast more. Like double down on that. Even more. Because he is worthy of all the boasting that we could ever create in our lives. It will actually never be sufficient to adequately represent who, and what he is, who he is and what he has done. So boast away in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one worthy. He's the only one that can carry the weight of all of that boasting. Because I sure can't. All right. Philippians 1, 25 and 26. So next week, Lord willing, we'll start with uh, just one thing. I love Paul's... Uh, no, thank you. Thank you so much. It's not next week. Next week, there's no Sunday school here. Uh, or online. Thank you so much, brother. You are paying attention. I appreciate that. I thought, wait, two things? No, I'm looking at one thing. You held up the number two. I was like, the text says one, so I don't know. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, no Sunday school next week, uh, and Lord willing, we'll be back on the 27th. I made this joke a couple of weeks ago, yeah, with verse 27, all right, to talk about one thing that's really not one thing. So uh, there we go. All right, so at your tables, you've got your weekly updates. You guys know what to do. You're pros at this, so I'll give you a minute to lean in, engage, pray for each other. Boast in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's your challenge today. Boast in our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're done with that, we get to go worship our Lord Jesus Christ, which is awesome. And we can boast in him some more. So there's that. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming today. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.